Hello, and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host today, Shika Chaturvedi, and I head global natural gas strategy here at JP Morgan. And I am joined by Cole Wolf, who is one of our oil analysts. Today, we want to discuss the U.S. energy supply picture and how current production data and activity metrics are reshaping our production forecast across the energy complex. Cole, thanks for joining me today. And I just really want to dive in and start with the revisions in your production forecast on the oil side that you guys have made over the past week. Um, you've made some upward revisions. Can you discuss what's really driving those re revisions? Yeah, thanks, Sheikha. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, I'll start off with pretty simple. The producers in the US oil production is starting off to a very hot start. Um, when you look at the prints that we're having right now, um, March, reported production for the U.S. was 12.7 million barrels a day. And that's almost 300 KBD off of 2019 highs that we saw of 13 million barrels a day, um, which is pretty impressive. And, and leading that track is, is production in the states of Texas and New Mexico, which when you look at a basin level, it could be, you know, mostly the Permian is what we're attributing to, but then also inclusion of the Eagle Ford and, you know, the Gulf Coast production. But so far from December, the, the production in those three states alone has grown by over 250,000 barrels a day, and, and that's pretty significant. So what we had previously, you know, Sheikha and I kind of, we worked together a little bit, and we, we've looked at the natural gas takeaway constraints in the Permian and kind of concerned that and said that that would be the dictating pace for activity in the Permian in 2023. You know, we had, um, as, as we hit that theoretical max, we would have a, a slight reduction in completions activity, delaying those volumes and then bringing them on in the second half of the year when the expansions come online. However, that just seems to not be the case. We, we haven't seen any concerns of late and we're already sitting through June um, right now. So what we're doing is we, we have revised up uh, our production outlook for the Permian specifically, um, very significant amount, almost 260,000 barrels a day higher than our previous expectations. Removing that sort of dip in the activity levels and you know, continuing the strong pace of growth that we're seeing so far this year. That's kind of the biggest thing. And so when you look at you know, the decision that we made to unlock the Permian, how is that impacting your, your gas outlook there, Chica? Yeah, you know, and I think it's absolutely correct that, you know, we, the, the the takeaway capacity constraints that we thought were there, you know, they're just not holding in. And I, I, I'm not sure what's exactly driving and how it's been the case that producers have been able to eke out more production than we thought. So just to give um, some of our listeners an idea, we had thought that the Permian would essentially uh, exit to exit, uh, grow one BCF a day. Uh, but now it looks like this sort of extra production that's been coming in it can grow closer to 1.7 BCF a day. So it's a, it is a really big difference, similar to the oil side of things. And I, I think, you know, it, finding the driver of what is causing or what is soaking up some of that excess Permian natural gas production um, has been very difficult. There's lack of transparency in the Texas area um, in trust state. But essentially, we, we kind of narrow it in on in-basin demand. Um, it, it just seems like the most likely sort of thing, especially when we watch basis prices that have stayed um, relatively strong against these sort of production prints. So we're seeing something very similar uh, to what you're, you guys are seeing in oil, and we've kind of adjusted accordingly. But you know what I think was the most interesting thing, Cole, when I, I kind of read some of the oil supply outputs that you guys have is that you have this higher production number uh, from the Permian, clearly, you know, kind of driving your overall crude growth. But ultimately, you have a, a significant amount of rig declines that you're embedding into your forecast. Can you explain that juxtaposition? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of crazy, but so far this year, the, the Baker Hughes oil rig count has dropped by 66 rigs. Uh, and that's a pretty significant number that is worrying a lot of the listeners and readers uh, of our work. But when we do we do a weekly rig count tracker and we look at the you know the core oil basins and we see that only 57 of the 66 drops have occurred within our major tidal oil basins that we do our modeling uh, mostly around. So believing that nine of those rigs that were dropped in, in non-core regions to start. Secondly, what, what we note significantly is that the large, two largest drops have occurred in the Anadarko and Eagleford regions, and those counts were 24 rigs dropped in the Anadarko region and 16 rigs dropped in the Eagleford region, con contributing to 40 total drop rigs. Um, you know, with our core oil tracker, the additional 17 occurred across the Permian, Bakken, and the Niobrara regions. The interesting thing about the, the rig count and the, the activity in Eagleford and in the, in the Anadarko is that these basins have a lot of acreage that can be oil heavy or gas heavy drilling. And what we kind of dove in a little bit and looked at is if you look at the 22 cumulative recovery, six month cumulative recovery for wells that were drilled, we can look at the output and see, you know, is this a gas heavy basin is recovery more than 50% gas or is it an oil heavy basin? And what we found is that looking at the basin level or at the county level, that 31 of the 40 dropped rigs in these two basins alone were done in gas heavier counties. So when you look at the top headline numbers saying, oh, that everything's dropped by 66 rigs, when you dial it down, it's actually a good bit, a good chunk smaller than we initially uh, estimated and therefore having a lesser impact on our overall production outlooks for 2023. But, you know, coupled with the oil rigs, we've seen gas rigs drop a lot this year. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, where that's been or what the trend we're going to see going on in the future is? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um... The, the the decline in the oil plays have definitely thrown the gas world for a loop because they are you know sort of gassier acreage. So against this sort of Permian production growth that we are seeing currently, there is this other side of the story where you have tight oil basins from a gas perspective that are likely to be in declines um, at this point with the rig drops that are going to be um, that have been going through and certainly is sort of tightening up. The balance a little bit from that perspective, but the other portion that we're really looking at uh, is the the Haynesville rig drop. I mean, that's really where that will drive sort of the production trajectory going forward. And instead of allowing the Permian to grow total U.S. production for the natural gas for natural gas upwards. Um, actually, Haynesville's reduction in rigs is allowing it to decline, um, and likely as early as July. And that's really because from a peak point of rigs in the basin was somewhere in our model around 72. Um, we expect to get down to around 47 rigs by July. Um, and that really does allow for this basin to, to kind of start moving into a declines where we will see heavier declines probably appearing in the balance in that August to September time period. And so it, 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 it's something that allows you know, the market to correct what is already an oversupplied situation and a very loose balance that is starting to play out, at least from the supply side perspective. Um, but it's it certainly, you know, the oil rigs is kind of like icing on the cake and tightening up the gas balance a bit. Um, so if we could just uh, kind of wrap up a little bit, Cole, um, I think one of the things that's really confusing to, to some of our listeners is the fact that here we are today with crude and condensate production that is below 2019 levels. Yet for some reason, you guys keep saying that we are at record-breaking liquids levels. Um, could you kind of talk about that and explain what the difference is and, and what that actually means? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a, a shocking fact that everyone looks and thinks that the crude and cotton state is still below the November 2019 high of 13 million barrels a day. And just last or in March reported data, we, we printed 12.7 million barrels a day, just about. But the reality of it is this is the second half of the equation, which is natural gas liquids. And this is what's driving the total top line number for our U.S. total liquids growth that's hitting record production month over month, quarterly, and uh, on track for a second consecutive year of record um, annualized production. And the thing about we're only 300 kBD below crude and condensate levels from 2019, but natural gas liquids have grown by 1.1 million barrels a day. Uh, in, 20, in November 2019, they were reported in at 5.1 million barrels a day, and just last March, this March, we reported 6.2 million barrels a day. So that's really the significant driver in this overall picture that we're seeing. Uh, you know, it, it should be recognized that these natural gas liquids are contributing to the system, and it contributes to our overall supply, um, top-level global market. So that's the biggest thing that we're seeing there, and it's kind of interesting that these natural gas liquids are trying continuing to grow and now we're getting close to crude and condensate also you know merging up to the point of almost 13 million barrels a day here in in the next couple of years so you know production in the u.s is is, is a headline across the board but i know that for for gas it's kind of a head scratcher in the other way you know you guys are trying to work around it and see how it's all going so what do you think about the the outlook for for natural gas in 23 and 24. Oh, a head scratcher is the, is the best way to describe it. Thank you, Cole. Um, I think that, you know, ultimately what we think is going to happen is that we're going to start to see declines um, in natural gas production um, starting as early as July, but again, more uh, consistently in August and September as Haynesville declines really start to get rolling. Um, the question is, you know, what does that mean and how far can those declines actually go and, and how long can they extend? And, you know, right now we see production probably, you know, we have a little pickup in 4Q from excess Permian production that could come back on again with the expansions. But ultimately, uh, we start to decline again going into that sort of February period. And this is particularly um, watching the Haynesville, you know, from peak to trough. It, it's literally from June to all the way um, to February 2024 that we're going to probably see some steady declines from that region. So the question really becomes, you know, what does the Haynesville do uh, when we are outright declining as significantly as we are? You know, is there a chance for activity recovery? in 2024. And it, that's obviously a very price dependent sort of conversation. We like to narrow in on the price. At, at a minimum, we think a Cal 24 price of 350 per MMBTU is probably enough to encourage um, more drilling activity in the 2024 period and more completion activity at that point. Um, it, ultimately, it's very difficult to see why a Haynesville producer that is looking at Cal 25, which is by far a very structurally tight balance for the U.S. natural gas market and is, is, is thinking, okay, no, you know what, we should decline into that. I, I think that they essentially want to find a way to get out of that hole of declines and essentially climb back up to meet some of that demand. So we do expect activity recovery to start to manifest um, in 2024. It is a big question mark right now because it is price dependent, but ultimately, um, the way we can see things, and, and if we look at the Haynesville very specifically, um, if we are at our trough in February 2024 um, in production in the Haynesville, ultimately to get back to current levels um, that we're experiencing in June, 
in our balance it suggests that it will take till November 2024 just to give kind of our listeners an idea of how these declines really can impact um, a, a basin and so um, ultimately we do expect well you know we have had robust growth that we can see in 2023 production growth for the most part on an average perspective 24 over 23 is going to look very, very small in comparison. So um, we're talking on the order of something like one and a half BCF a day and from a 24 over 23, where 23 is likely to grow more than four BCF a day over 22. So big differences in the numbers there uh, for sure, but lots of questions. Um, and that's typically the way of the US natural gas mar market, more questions than answers at this point in time. So thank you for uh, joining me, Cole, and thank you to all of our listeners uh, for listening to the Commodities Edition at JPM's At Any Rate podcast. We look forward to continue the conversation next week. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023 JP Morgan Jason Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on June 9th, 2023.